This EB-5 Superheroes episode is sponsored by FMB EB-5 Hope. FMB EB-5 is bringing hope to downtown Los Angeles and EB-5 investors who believe in the American dream. Visit FMBEB5.com to learn more and speak with EB-5 superhero Matt Trush to join an EB-5 project today. Episode 16, EB-5 Superheroes, Connor Irish and Preston Pesek. CEO and COO of Proxy Fund Administration. You're listening to the EB5 Superheroes podcast. Join host Matt Trush as he interviews the EB5 industry's courageous men and women, leaders protecting the path to the American dream for the good guys and foiling the sinister plots of the not-so-good guys. Billions of dollars and families' lives are at stake. Go behind the scenes as our EB5 superheroes tell their stories of triumph against adversity paving a brighter future for EB-5. And now, financial engineer, industry expert, and EB-5 superhero, Matt Trush. Welcome to the EB-5 Superheroes podcast. I'm Matt Trush, your host. For those of us living in the EB-5 world, we've grown thick skin and learned to buckle up tight for the roller coaster ride we lovingly call EB-5. EB-5 is an incredible federal program that has brought tens of billions of dollars to the U.S. economy, created hundreds of thousands of new jobs, and helped countless families legally immigrate to the U.S. But it's been a bumpy ride, to say the least. There have been cases of fraud, swinging pendulums of regulatory uncertainty, unnecessary long processing times, program sunsets, and even twilight. But today we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. EB-5 can once again become the best and fastest and most stable letter combinations in the alphabet of U.S. immigration paths. EB-5 can regain its highly competitive position versus other countries' immigration investment programs. EB-5 is poised to navigate America out of another economic downturn. Now is the time, more than ever, for the good guys and good gals to make the dream a reality again for those who believe in EB-5 and the American dream. Meet the EB-5 superheroes who are on the front lines making positive change. The courageous leaders who are shaping the course of EB-5 for good and triumphing against adversity. Get the inside scoop, hear their stories, learn from real life successes and failures. Billions of dollars and families' lives are at stake. Join me in welcoming Connor Irish and Preston Pesek, CEO and COO of Proxy Fund Administration. EB-5 superheroes, Connor Irish and Preston Pesek, welcome to the EB-5 superheroes podcast. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Great to be here. Thank you. Connor, you and your co-founder, Sam Newbold, have been really disrupting the status quo of EB-5 fund administration with your novel proxy fund administration platform. My understanding is that proxy was built by real estate development and finance experts, EB-5 attorneys, Web3 specialists, and licensed investment advisors with the fundamental mission of creating a better more efficient and positive experience for all EB-5 stakeholders. Proxy's proprietary software platform tracks all expenditures in the project lifecycle and provides project investors with a readily available real-time view of comprehensive project metrics at the click of a button. Connor, let me brag about you just a little bit. Connor Irish is the co-founder and CEO of Proxy. Prior to launching the Proxy platform, Connor served as a real estate development attorney at Premier Global Law Firms. DLA Piper and Dorsey and Whitney LLP, where he represented institutional clients in the acquisition, financing, development, and operation of real assets throughout the United States. Drawing on his real estate extensive experience, Connor personally designed the proxy platform interface and drawdown protocols to bridge the traditional 
core best practice principles of real estate private equity financing with a state-of-the-art Web3 solution tailored specifically to EB5 stakeholders. A lot of you may know Sam Newbold, who is the co-founder and chairman of Proxy. Sam is an exceptional immigration attorney and serves as the chair of the Immigration Law Group at CSG, as well as a member of CSG's Alternative Capital Group. Over the past decade, Sam has successfully achieved expedited processing for EB-5 projects and has served on the American Immigration Lawyers Association National EB-5 Committee. And today, we also have Preston Pesek, Proxy's Chief Operating Officer. Preston spent a decade working in real estate private equity at Fortress Investment Group and SL Green. He subsequently co-founded his own company that was acquired by WeWork in 2019. Preston is an early-stage investor and board member in multiple technology companies and has been an advisor to early-stage founders building products in SaaS and B2B categories with a focus on pre-seed to, to Series B stages. Welcome again, Connor and Preston, to the EB5 Superheroes podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thank Appreciate you. the introduction. It's been a wild ride for all of of us. And part of that is statutorily driven. We had the Reform and Integrity Act in 2022. But Sam, my co-founder and I, we've really been looking at the general world of special purpose financing for a long time. And we kind of coined that term back in 2017, 2018. It's essentially any fund that's put together for an express purpose. And EB-5 falls directly into that. That. Private equity tends to be kind of a broad, but when you talk about real estate private equity, the fundamental kind of core spinal of any real estate private equity fund, it all has the same moving parts. And so when this when this Reform and Integrity Act passed, it actually was at a very unique time for Sam and I, in that we had already been creating a traditional real estate private equity platform. Then we have this legislative change it essentially accelerates our platform build into a different direction where we say we've already built 90% of a general purpose real estate private equity software platform. We now have this new regulatory regime that seems to overlay very, very well with what we've already built. And all we need to do is turn a few dials, specifically add in a job creation component and some best practices for private equity drawdowns, not just in real estate or in kind of traditional real estate, but also in the EB-5 space. So we took that overlay of software products that we've already been in development, added in these RIA requirements. And basically from that point, we were off and running. We shopped that around to multiple large institutional EB-5 players in the industry, got a great response, actually launched our enterprise platform in October of 2022. And fast forward to today, we have well over two and a half billion dollars of EB-5 offerings on the platform. I think it's around 36 total projects and counting. So it's been a really, really, really positive experience to see the EB-5 industry at large respond so positively to a new, better way of doing business. That's really incredible. Fantastic, Connor. Preston, anything you want to add to just sort of that first initial point? But also, I want to get to know you guys a little bit better as well, so we'll come back to those questions. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the opportunity that exists for Proxy is one that I'm really excited to be a part of because in general, I think EB-5 as a kind of legislative mandate is such a win-win for everyone who's in the ecosystem. You've got an opportunity for people to come to the United States and build a life here. And they do so by actually investing in projects that create jobs for Americans that are already here. 
And so it's like everybody wins. Meanwhile, the real estate developers or the job creating projects, most of them are real estate development projects. They can be anything, but they get to get an opportunity to have a piece of their capital structure that is very flexible and can replace other more expensive types of borrowing or investing that is comparatively attractive in the context of shopping for capital in the capital markets. So having an opportunity to say, hey, let's connect the dots for this, what I call kind of a no-brainer opportunity for a real estate developer to take advantage of the thing that this legislation has created and put a new kind of capital on your on your cap table for your for your project. It's just it makes so much sense for everybody who's around the table. So I'm I'm thrilled to be here and it's great. To, I always love to be part of a win-win project where it's not a zero game, it's a positive game. Connor and Preston, I want to hear from both of you. Tell me a little bit about yourselves before Proxy, before you got into the EB5 space. What were you doing and and how did you get here? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's great. That's a great question. And funnily enough, my career kind of started in EV5, actually. We mentioned Sam was my co-founder. And going back, this is going back to 2012, 2013, I was in law school at the time in New York. Like all law students, you got to go get your clerkships and your internships. And funnily enough, run into Sam Newbold, end up working at the same firm as Sam. And my first assignment was actually working with Sam on a project level representation of an EB-5 project. So you're going from essentially law school class of learning the very, very basics to your first assignment is a fairly robust, complicated regulatory regime of representing an EB-5 project. So, and I, I worked with Sam for years doing that and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the whole kind of the comprehensive look of watching the immigration journey and also watching a project concept go from dirt to a vertical building. I, mean, I thought that was a, just a really interesting ecosystem to be a part of, but I really am a real estate nerd and I really liked the real estate side of things and ended up getting recruited to some of the bigger law firms in the institutional real estate space and really cut my teeth on traditional institutional real estate, tower builds, large-scale horizontal developments, whether they're MPCs or shopping center complexes. And you get to see a lot of really unique capital stack structures by doing that. And you really get to learn you know, the skeletal nuts and bolts and bones of all the different types of financing that can be utilized across those projects. And Sam and I kept in constant contact that whole time. We're great friends. And one of the things that we noticed both in developers utilizing EB-5 and the more kind of historical stone guard, garden variety real estate development companies, they all really are not, they're not software people. They're not, they're not looking for new tools. They're not driving technology forward. They have a very kind of legacy way of doing business. If it's not broken, don't fix it. So we would, we would kind of constantly muse about how many phone calls, emails, faxes, Dropboxes, share files, all of these asymmetrical tools that our clients were using. And we just put our heads together and said, if, if we had any idea of how to write code, what, what software would we build that would solve all these problems? And so we started working on that back in 2018. Connor, again, I thought all you need is a, an envelope, back of an envelope, and you're done. No? You're right, right. Well, what this is actually, a, this is one of my favorite stories about proxy is 
something finally clicked between Sam and I. So we've, we've, we've got it. We've, we've got the idea. We just have to wireframe that idea out. And so you kind of do start on the back of the napkin is what does each piece of the process look like? And then you run out of napkin really quick. So then I went to a legal pad and then you run out of the legal pad really quick. And by the time we were done with our initial wireframe, it was actually me out in the driveway writing out the entire ecosystem for the entire user interface with a piece of my niece's sidewalk chalk. And we still have that. We still have that photo to this day. And that was our first wireframe five years ago. And then perfectly, we ran into some folks that were much brighter than us when it comes to software creation and architecture. And then they were able to help us really laser focus and streamline an idea into actual execution. So it's been a really, really, really interesting journey. Amazing. You guys are, are real estate guys. I'm, I'm a real estate guy too. And I like finance. So you said that EB5 is sort of like the perfect storm, the perfect tool to put into the capital stack. So where do you think is the right place? What is the best place? What have you seen? Where have you seen EB5 used the most effectively? And, uh, and do you think that it is being used most effectively these days? Yeah, well, like, like Preston mentioned, is so much of EB5 in conversation is tied to real estate because it just seemed like the, the real estate industry was, there was almost a magnetic relationship between the EB-5 program and the real estate industry, because just because there's kind of a nice fit there. But it's not just real estate projects. And some of our clients that are, are doing some really, really interesting things, one, one is actually has an EB-5 fund that's purchasing existing homes to refurbish them for a recidivism reduction program. So they're actually lowering the recidivism rate of folks with criminal history by providing housing and job opportunities in a, in a really interesting platform. And we also have clients that are pursuing novel medical technologies. And that's obviously not a real estate centric pursuit. But again, there is a lot of magnetism between real estate and EB-5. And you say, where does it really fit? it's become a, a third leg of a capital stack. I mean, there's always debt and equity. I mean, those are those are built into every real estate project, essentially. Very few people finance their projects entirely with equity. I mean, it almost it's almost non-existent. So you really have just created a third leg of that capital stack source. And I think where it's utilized most effectively really depends on timing. And some developers are at the mercy of existing project timing. You may have already closed on a construction loan. You may already be halfway through your draw cycle of that construction loan. You may still have equity to deploy, or you may want to replace expensive bridge debt or bridge equity with that EB-5 funding. So in terms of timing, you can really use it at your leisure, right? I mean, because you could bring it in later to take out existing earlier debt, or you could bring it in at the beginning to avoid having to take on more expensive debt. So in terms of timing, the world is really, it's really, the, the developer has a lot of freedom of when they can utilize those EB-5 funds and job creation is fungible in, in some sense, right? I mean, a million dollars of construction loan money creates the same amount of jobs as a million dollars of EB-5 capital. So there really is an awesome concept of how those pieces of the capital stack interplay together. And it's a very useful tool for, for any developer in the space. Yeah. I'd love to just add to that by saying that I think that the real estate industry is primed for EB-5 for two reasons. Looking at the investor's perspective, if you are 
not living in the United States and you want to make an investment in a, in a U.S. company or a U.S. entity, the intrinsic value of real estate is a universally understood asset, right? So if, if I'm going to invest in a company that's U.S.-based, I may not want to do it in a startup that has an ethereal valuation, right? That may be changing its valuation and changing its headcount and changing its addressable market at every turn of that exploratory software development process. Real estate offers you a tangible asset and everyone around the world, no matter what language you speak, most people understand that real estate is valuable in and of itself. So from that perspective, it's an attractive target for a foreign investor who is coming into a new country and putting a big chunk of money into a project that they need to make sure that they can get their money back and achieve their objectives as an investor. For the real estate industry, there are few asset types and business plans or business models that are as sensitive to the cost of capital and the use of leverage as real estate is. Anybody who invests in real estate in a country that has mature capital markets like the United States does, if you're not using leverage intelligently, and if you're not really analyzing your cost of capital across the entire capital structure for your project, you're not making the best use of, of investor dollars, right? So a real estate GP who's going out to syndicate money from either equity LPs or is raising money from a construction lender, EB-5 capital comes in as a less expensive option and a more flexible option with fewer teeth from the creditor than other kinds of creditors might have, so to speak. So a first mortgage lender has the ability to foreclose you out. An equity investor is along for the ride, no matter what happens. And so an EB-5 investor comes in as something that is technically equity, may mimic debt in some cases, but won't have like a callability with a hard and fast maturity date that would you know, cause a developer to get their back up against the wall if things go slightly awry, according to the original plan. So it's very attractive in terms of its flexibility. It can be used almost like, I wouldn't necessarily call it a revolving line of credit, but it behaves in a similar kind of way because there's kind of an allocated amount that's available to draw down for a given project, depending upon how many jobs it creates. And then the project creator, project builder can essentially draw down on it as money comes in. And that money replaces more expensive capital to optimize the capital stack, which in a GP waterfall, it maximizes your returns if you are reducing your cost of capital at every step along the way. So from that perspective, on both sides of the marketplace for real estate deals and for EB-5 investors, it's an optimized product and service. But President, that raises a really good point. Just to close the, the loop on awesome. the structure is historically speaking, going back 10 years or so, there was kind of a very basic EB-5 structure of the NCE and the JCE would interact with each other on a loan model, right? So your fund, your NCE fund would typically loan funds to the borrower, to the JCE. And that's a very simplest, or that's a very simple model that's easy to understand, right? And we've seen as more sophisticated developers have gotten into the space, you've seen a lot of derivations of that for tax efficiency purposes, but you've also seen some direct equity modeling as well. And even some projects that bifurcate it, well, they'll, they'll have an EB-5 loan offering and they'll have an EB-5 private equity offering. And that gives an, an investor that's interested in that project two opportunities to participate. I mean, they're going to typically pick one or the other, of course, but the return metrics are typically going to be more beneficial on one side versus the other side. So it really is an atmosphere where developers have quite a wide scope of flexibility in how they want to structure that EB-5 component of their capital stack. 
And really, I would say the litmus test for what works best is driven by how fast you can raise the capital. I mean, the investors will vote for your project with their dollar if you have the best EB-5 capital stack structure. Very good. Interesting. <clears throat> really, EB-5 comes in as a, as a MES piece, either as MES debt or preferred equity. And that's where I'm seeing it typically used. If your cost of equity is very high, as it usually would be, then EB-5 is going to be cheaper. If your cost of debt is very high and EB-5 is replacing that, it also helps optimize your cost of capital. So it really does play that role in a very, very positive way. So, so far we've talked about the benefits of EB-5 and the benefits it has to the developer, but you two are involved, your team are involved at Proxy in fund administration. So what does fund administration have to do with all of these amazing things about EB-5? Why does fund administration exist? Why did you come up with this new proxy platform? Why blockchain? All these questions that uh, I want to know why two experts in real estate, law, and um, finance are getting into the fund administration space. That's a really, really great question. One of the most important places to start is the difference between a traditional fund administrator and an EB-5 fund administrator. You typically think when you hear fund administrator, is you, you kind of think of an overpowered accounting firm that's going to be running all of the fund level gap accounting and investor K-1 reporting, all that you really don't think EB-5. But an EB-5 fund administrator is defined differently in the Reform and Integrity Act. I mean, for starters, an EB-5 fund administrator must be a broker dealer, a registered investment advisory, a CPA, or an attorney. So you have qualifiers of who can even be an EB-5 fund administrator, but then the services that they provide are actually spelled out quite clearly in the regulations, almost like a recipe list. So, okay, you must have this third-party fund admin, and that third-party fund admin must be a co-signatory on the NCE's accounts. Essentially, he has to approve the transactions, and it must create an audit trail for a specified amount of time, which essentially means your EB-5 fund admin is going to ride along with you throughout this project and be an additional overseer to ensure compliance with the business plan and the econ report. So you really get a second key to the integrity of the fund. You always have a third party that doesn't have skin in the game, simply ensuring that funds are being moved correctly and are being spent on the right things. So why did we think that we should be involved in the EB-5 fund administration space? Well, to harken back to our early careers, Preston and I have been part of hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of capital calls, of construction loan drawdowns, of private equity waterfalls. So if you have that intrinsic understanding of, I like to use the subway stops analogy, if you have that intrinsic understanding of, say, the F line or the E line, where the money is supposed to go next. And if you're able to do that in a way that captures the best practices while moving the money swiftly and efficiently, then you actually have created a true value to the industry. We looked at that EB-5 Reform and Integrity Act, I mentioned it's almost like a recipe list, is we built the software around that regulation. So in all practicality, what happens is the investor's funds come into escrow. There are conditions precedent for 
those funds to be released from escrow, but those aren't project level conditions. Those are investor level conditions and regional center conditions, typically if it's a regional center project. So to break escrow, you need proof of immigrant investor filing. That's a fairly easy hurdle to get past, but then the funds are released into the NCE account. And because of this regulation and because of this requirement of a third party fund admin, there are now additional conditions precedent to actually move those funds into the project. So Preston, Sam and I, you know, real estate nerds, we recognize how a construction loan is typically done. We'll use an example. The project has a hundred million dollar construction. Well, the bank doesn't simply provide you with a hundred million dollar check. They give you a loan commitment for a hundred million. And each month you draw those loan funds down and in exchange, the title company typically issues a drawdown endorsement to the lender insuring those funds. And that interplay between those parties is always project requesting a drawdown of a certain amount, and they are going to support that amount with, so typically in a construction loan drawdown, that's going to be a lien waiver from the contractor. It might be a conditional or a full lien waiver, maybe a certificated payment request. It's May of 2023. We're going to request a million dollar draw in exchange, the construction contract. We must provide evidence from the construction contractor that they are owed that million dollars. We took that same best practices, if then relationship and built it into the platform just in the EB-5 piece of the capital stack rather than in the construction loan component. So the methodologies are the same as a construction loan but the funds are actually an immigrant's private equity capital contribution into the fund. You said you've got about two and a half billion in AUM of projects that are in your platform right now. Is that all EB-5 or do you have non-EB-5 projects also using your platform now? That's our total EB-5 offering size. Some of these projects, they started prior to the Reform and Integrity Act. So many of them had well over 100 million of EB-5 investors from prior years. For those, what we call those midstream projects is we're happy to take those projects on, of course, but those do come with a little bit of legwork on our end because our administration team needs to catch up on all of the, on the historicals of that project so that we have a snapshot of where we are now. So yes, much of that total offering potential has already been raised, and but many of our projects are still actively seeking investment. Okay. And I think I asked the question, but I want to just go back to it. Why Web3? Why blockchain? Why all this technology for something so simple as EB5? Yeah. And th- thank you for the reminder. What's funny is there's a little bit of a, a misnomer about blockchain just generally. Most people hear it and they think cryptocurrency. But What many people don't know is cryptocurrency was actually created after the blockchain because the folks that built the blockchain initially, they had this very super powered ledger based system, but they didn't have anything to keep track of. So they create crypto almost as poker chips so that they have something to keep track of. But the true value of a blockchain is simply that all of the information is encrypted. It's a ledger based system, a series of transactions, that's encrypted and there are fingerprints of every user that interacts with the blockchain. So to harken back to the Reform and Integrity Act, one of the components is your fund administrator must create an audit trail. Well, what is the best audit trail? It's an audit trail where you not only see a list of transactions, 
but you also see who initiated and approved those transactions. So when we have a proxy project, when a project is on our platform, our ledger trail actually looks something like this. JCE has requested a drawdown. NCE received it on this date, reviewed it on this date, approved it on this date. And then we actually captured the funds transfer information from the bank and record that all in that encrypted ledger trail. So you get more than a, just a list of transactions. You actually get the full story of the project. And blockchain is the best tool for that. But in this case, actually, the one you just described, Proxy would actually also have its fingerprint on the process because you also need to approve the drawdown request that was approved by the NCE, right? Exactly, exactly. So you have all of the project level stakeholders, you capture their story or their fingerprints, and you also capture ours. There's no way to, to hide the ball, essentially, is if, we're, if the goal of, of the Reform and Integrity Act is to enhance integrity, well, we said we have the tool to deliver the utmost integrity that's available in the technological world right now. Well, I want to tell everybody here on EB5 Superheroes that I'm proud to report to our listeners that our FMB EB5 Hope Project in downtown Los Angeles recently signed up for proxy fund administration. Your pricing was fairly aggressive. You and your team have been very responsive in the setup. And in short, you made the whole process quite seamless. So Connor and Preston and Sam, I'm really excited to be working with you all. And I have to say I'm sold, literally, put my money where my mouth is. You guys have really delivered an incredible product and you seem to really know what you're doing. And I have to say one of the other very big things I've been pleasantly surprised is your response time is, is really super. In terms of any questions that come up, you're always right on the ball. You're doing a great job with all of that. So beyond the product and the, the service, you're also you're doing it with a smile. So I, I really appreciate you guys doing what you're doing. And I think it's going to have a very, very positive uh, impact on the, on the way that we do our work at FMB EB5 Hope. And I, I guess I'm, I, if I can make a recommendation, anybody out there in the EB5 superheroes world, definitely give Connor and Preston a call to learn more about the proxy. But what I've sort of worried about, blockchain aside, I was a little worried that you guys came to market maybe too fast. And I'm always wondering, what is Proxy 2.0 going to look like? And will your current clients get access to that new souped-up version? Or are we going to have to pay in spades to get to use the, the new beta? No, appreciate that, Matt. And thank, thank you for the high praise. And we're, we're obviously thrilled to have the FMB Hope project on our platform. In terms of our client appreciation generally, I do want to say we could not have gotten where we are without as much support as we've had from folks in the industry. So we actually we began speaking to different people, different project developers, regional centers back in July of 2022, months before we were going to launch. And the amount of support really put a lot of wind behind our sails of, hey, we have a lot of folks that are really interested in a platform like this, and they've committed to being part of our soundboard to create what we call version 1.0 and to continue to be a part of that soundboard as we continue to enhance towards what will be version 2.0. We have a commitment to providing the best platform at the lowest cost. We want to be the Tylenol to the industry, not a headache to the industry. So with folks like you and all of our existing clients, we can't state, we can't overstate how much we've appreciated all of the the support and also all of the insight. We we say it all the time is tell us exactly what you want to 
add, we will begin building that widget immediately. So to all of our clients, a big thank you. And please continue to give us suggestions because we really like to build the best tool that we can. And all of that insight, it manifests in every additional widget we add. Yeah, I would just add to that saying that looking at the product roadmap, anything that makes our customers' lives easier actually makes our lives easier inside of Proxy. So this is another example of those like win-win feedback loops where the more feedback we're getting from customers... Each one of those items that comes back is, hey, I wish you could tweak this, or this is not working exactly the way I expected it to. If we can start to anticipate and solve those on behalf of our clients, such that they are experiencing a truly frictionless product experience online using the product, and in any interactions with us or our staff, that is our kind of a North Star goal, so to speak. So... That's what we're focused on. And, and some of your comments really are, are music to our ears in terms of hearing that it is easy easy to use and feels like a hospitable product support from our team. Our, our, our goal is to really just continue to improve that so that it becomes very easy for a project manager or a project developer to say, why wouldn't I use EB5? Because there's this service out there called Proxy that essentially creates automated compliance for the whole thing. When a lot of folks think about taking on EB5 Capital, one of the biggest questions is, okay, what is the administrative burden? How much red tape do I have to deal with in order to get this done? Anybody who's in the world of private industry understands that, yes, there are public dollars available, heavily subsidized public dollars available for my project, but it always feels like those comes with some pretty heavy strings attached. And what do I have to give up in order to get those subsidized benefits? I, I would view EB-5 capital as a kind of government subsidized form of capital. Like it's it's not really that way, but it feels that way in terms of its cost of capital relative to private borrowing. And so to do that, we're just trying to make that as easy as possible and, and providing quite a bit of handholding to understand exactly what the customer's pain points are and do everything we can to either automate or build around the pain points so that they disappear. So for us, the product is working when it becomes invisible to the user and they don't even have to think about it. So that's that's ultimately where we want to get. And it's a conversation around cost of capital as opposed to cost of software usage or adoption of a new product. Great. So uh, Proxy's superpower is that you have invisibility powers. You want to just disappear in the background and make it easy. Make it so it doesn't feel so heavy with the red tape. You're right. EB-5 is, is full of red tape. And now with the RIA, the regional centers and the fund administration, and it just goes on and on. You say, listen, why are you making it harder and harder for me? But it seems the proxy platform is making it even easier for us than before. Then why wouldn't we sign up? So I think you're definitely on the right track. One of the things you built into the proxy platform, which is really cool, and it helps a lot, makes you feel good. For example, our FMB EB5 Hope project, we already see that we've created more jobs than our investors need, right? It's like real-time reflection of the actual jobs created based on the budget spend. So that's amazing. It's incredible. If you asked me a few years ago, would I love to have something like that instead of reaching back out to my economist or whatever it might be, or just sort of making up a figure as I go and report the I-924A every year based on my own estimates, but your own platform seems to give me real-time feedback on the jobs. So it definitely has a benefit because I can now say that we've got more jobs than we need, which is great. But the I-924A isn't really putting the emphasis on jobs anymore. It's putting more on securities compliance instead of jobs created, which I think was probably went into a lot of the way the proxy platform was built, isn't really 
so vitally important anymore. Of course, I can say that we've beat our our target. We've got more jobs than we need. Maybe before that point, everybody gets very worried and nervous and said, if I only knew how many jobs I've created. But really, the RIA is, is now looking more towards securities compliance. And our regional centers are asking us to report all kinds of things that maybe you could help complement what they're doing in the system as well. So I just wonder if maybe, Connor, when you all were developing this, that you really felt that that was like a big a big win there, that you could show how many jobs are being created. And now do you feel that it's not as important as it used to be? So we, we actually added the job creation more as, more as a creature comfort than anything else. It kind of falls into a category that I would call data exhaust, is you already have business plan writers and economists in the space that put together their business plans and their economic reports with a very robust amount of information. So if we were able to categorize draw requests by expenditure, we can capture that data exhaust of job creation because the back office calculations have already been provided by the economist. So to us, adding the job creation figure on on the dashboard was really just a creature comfort that could manifest by the data exhaust. When it comes to more intensive securities level widgets, we do have some things in design that we're hoping to roll out in V2, but those would also be kind of data exhaust captures, right? If you're able to correctly reflect when investors actually enter a fund and to correctly capture the waterfall of the offering, it's very simple to automate much of that required information just because of the top line information. So you can glean quite a lot through back office calculations just with top level information of when investors invest and a proper back office accounting tool um, that captures the waterfall metrics. The short answer is, yeah, we we have a lot of ideas for version 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0. And we we count it as a, a point of pride that we're actively pursuing adding all of these widgets at all times. So we don't view our platform as ever being done. It will only be done or quote unquote done. It will only be complete where there's no, when there's no other problems left to solve. Got it. Very nice. I'm convinced that the entire technology industry is, is, is a conspiracy to create a perpetual job for every software engineer because it's never <laughs> done. Like, and it shouldn't be done because we're constantly learning through a perpetual feedback loop with our customers. So uh, one of the one of the funniest conversations that I had when I was first raising money for a spacious concept, I went to a well-known real estate developer that everyone would recognize if I named them, and I won't because it's a little bit embarrassing for them. They asked me, I said, what is the budget to create this software that you're proposing? And as if it was like a fixed line item in a construction project. And I said, well, it's going to take the granting of equity to a technical co-founder and a perpetual tech team to constantly iterate to make it better from now until the entity no longer exists. And that's how a lot of folks who who aren't in the software business haven't really thought deeply about it or haven't had experience building it. It's never it's never done and it shouldn't be ever done. Like as soon as it's done being built, it starts dying and it starts becoming obsolete. So to stay ahead of everything that's happening in the industry but also in the world of software and the competition in, in the software industry, you're constantly working on it, polishing it, making it better, listening to the customer. And that's how we're going to build this company. So I'm excited to be a part of that. Connor, as I was saying to Preston when we first started, that you guys have such a great idea. It's just a matter of time before you've got people trying to acquire you. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that day that uh, you guys are 
have created the billion dollar dream here, but you're definitely on your way. Let me ask some questions about superpower. We know your superpowers are that you hope one day to be invisible, but are any superhero stories that you've got where you might've saved the day, helped a developer or an EB5 regional center figure out something and, and get through something that was maybe seemingly impossible for them? Tough question. Yeah, well, it, it, that seems to be a daily occurrence, right? I mean, we've had uh, we're, we're superheroes still, still, daily occurrence. Knew it. All right, right, right. Well, we're still we're still sort of, and many of the the folks in the space are dealing with this as well. Obviously, there has been quite a lot of waves in the financial industry over the past few months, and some of the affected banking providers have been a big part of the EB five industry for a long time. So, I would say our 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 biggest daily superpower is our responsiveness and our competence in solving those problems. I mean, it's it's not an easy thing to to radically change a developer's traditional banking provider because of there's funds that need to be moved to new places. There's new relationships that need to be built. There's new account to account to account structures that need to be built. So I, I would say if you spoke to any of our clients that have dealt with any of those pain points of actually fixing the nuts and bolts that have been affected by the waves in the banking industry, I think unanimously they would state that we've been the forefront of helping them navigate that process. And to your point earlier, is we we really do have sort of a an efficiency obsession, but also a responsiveness obsession is we want to always be available for our clients at all times. I have an open open phone policy. You can call me anytime. The only way I won't answer is if I'm already on a call with another client. And Preston's the same way. So we we hope the software gets to a point. I mean, the software obviously won't be invisible because our clients use it all the time and they see it on our screen, but we hope to get that tool to a place where Preston and I are invisible because the software can solve as many problems as possible. But that being said, when there are these real world kind of legacy issues, such as the ones that our clients are dealing with now, we do really try to put our hat in the ring immediately as as part of the problem solution. Well, I can also attest to that. We decided that we wanted to file our project, I think, a week ago, a week or two ago, and we had pretty much two or three days to do it to make that due date. And I know everybody on the proxy team on board and made sure that we got all of our back and we signed up with escrow, we signed up with fund administration, we signed up with everything we needed to do with our regional center. We even filed it with USCIS on schedule. So I have to say uh, when things need to get done fast, you guys were definitely there. So appreciate that. What I've already seen is the ability for proxy to be what I call a super connector in the industry and the ecosystem. Every product project that is a proxy client comes with a set of relationships that we work with closely. Um, even in the day-to-day course of everyone using the product and getting set up, we begin to discover and can easily make recommendations for who is the best relationship that we have to solve a specific gap in somebody's dream team for an EB-5 project. And we love doing that. It's like, for the most part, I don't think we'll seek any compensation for making those connections because I think it just it makes the industry and the ecosystem stronger and more robust uh, the more people can connect the dots and help people solve the actual problems that they need to solve, most of which is actually at this stage, frankly, education. Like the new legislation that came out in 2022, we can hop on with a new client and it's their first time doing an EB-5 deal under the new statute. And so to have 
a resource like the proxy team be able to do a Q&A for someone who's you know, getting their feet wet with a new legislative paradigm, that in and of itself is probably something that you had to pay a consultant quite a bit to get fully understood for the team members of your project that need to understand it well in order to execute on time and on budget. So we're able to help people navigate the complexity of the new EB-5 legislation. And by the time that we have 200, 300, 500 clients, it's going to feel like a white glove service from end to end. We already are trying to do that as best we can now. And I'm glad we're getting some of that feedback in your comments. But that's our goal is to essentially feel as though you've been well taken care of entering a complex work stream that is probably new to you. Fantastic. Listen, Connor, I had one question for you before we go. Connor, are you Irish? <laughs> I, I, I get that a lot. And Usually I say I'm 100% Irish on St. Patrick's Day, but it's a cruel joke. A name like Connor Irish, I'm actually 0% Irish. <laughs> okay, how'd you get the name? Does it sound I good? don't know. It, it was spelling changed back when the, the I think it was my great-grandparents came over. It used to be spelled I-R-Y-S-H-E, and they just switched it. All right, very good. Well, uh, Connor Irish and Preston Pesic, thank you again for joining the EB-5 Superheroes podcast. I really look forward to working with you and your team and learning more about all the bells and whistles that the Proxy Fund Administration platform has to offer our FMB EB-5 Hope Project. My blessings to you for continued success. Thanks, Matt. Thank really you. appreciate the time today. That's a wrap. Connor and Preston and other EB-5 superheroes like them are the industry's best and brightest who are flying onward and upward to bring out the best in EB-5. Join me on the next episode to meet the next EB-5 superhero. Thank you for listening to the EB-5 Superheroes podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the good guys and good gals who believe in EB-5 and the American dream. To access today's show notes, ask Matt a question or suggest an EB-5 superhero to be featured on the show, visit eb5superheroes.com. 